Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So I find myself in the probably not unique position uh, this week of shipping as the App Store version of Overcast a build that I know still has bugs. <gasps> bugs in your software? That's unheard of. I am knowingly shipping bugs. <sighs> I have a feeling this is not that uncommon. No. E- or at least if we're honest with ourselves. <laughs> you know, like I, a lot of times we, tr- we try to tell ourselves, okay, I'm pretty sure this one works. This, this build has no bugs. I am shipping this knowing it's totally fine. But of course, that's never really the case. What I want to talk about this week is what has gotten me into this position and kind of why we all do this and when it might be okay to ship bugs. So I think, first of all, it's, it's worth you know, evaluating the, <laughs> how, how good we are at shipping software that is truly bug-free. And we, I don't mean me and you. I mean every, you know, this whole business. As far as I can tell, it's impossible. Yes. Like as, as soon as your code does anything or interacts with any other code like the operating system and its frameworks, you introduce the potential for bugs. And the more and it doesn't really take like, like, you know, the more complex your app, the more bug potential there is. But it doesn't really take a very seemingly complex app like from the user point of view in order to have enough complexity behind the scenes where lots of lots of bugs uh, can possibly exist. And so I would say, I mean, I've, as far as I know, in my entire career so far, I have never written or shipped completely bug-free code. Do you, do you, do you know of any that you have? No, I, 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 think, I think bugs are one of those things that's, it's like uh, Zeno's paradox or asymptotic growth where it's like, it, all you can do is approach zero but it is impossible to actually reach zero. <laughs> uh, like, and, and really, and I think probably the, the more sobering thing that like sort of like keeps you up at night, if you think about it too hard, is the nature of you can be in a position that you have no known bugs, but that is very different than there not actually being bugs. Like the nature of like discovering something is like half the problem most of the time. It's like, it isn't necessarily that... Um, like, like bugs are just like this obvious thing that like Xcode tells you about, or there's some obvious, you know, like glaring issue often like the hardest bugs to track down the worst bugs in many ways are the ones that don't like stick their heads up, you know, sticks their head up and raise their hand and be like, here I am. You know, like when you do this set of three actions, this bad thing happens. Like those are the best, the ones that are, the ones that you're never going to get, like there's the ones that are just lingering there. And honestly, sometimes I think there's, there's. Like the the tricky thing too is that a bug, like what is a bug? Like in some ways, it is when the application behaves counter to your intentions, maybe. But the reality is, our intentions are never fully specified. Like there's going to be cases that we haven't accounted for because we couldn't have accounted for them, or you know, it's dealing with a new situation, a new device, a new operating system, uh, a new user's set of data, a new bit of user input. Like there are so many things that are like strictly impossible to deal with that I think yeah, it is absolutely impossible to ever ship bug-free code. All we can do is hope to sort of approach it um, over time and hopefully have like the, um, I'm thinking 
back to my uh, like sort of corporate days where you had like the bug burn down chart mm-hmm. where you're, it's like you have this graph of like known bugs and it's like the goal is that that, you know, the, the, that the slope of that line is going down rather than up um, as you approach shipping. But it's definitely something that never actually hits zero. It just sort of hits a point where it becomes stable or the nature of the bugs is such that it's they're not worth fixing or, or it's an issue that would require way more work than is actually possible, like is reasonable to do or is possible to do. Um, or in the process of fixing it, you would actually introduce more bugs. And so it's better to just leave the bug you know than the one that you don't. But you'll never get to zero, sadly. It's such a wonderful goal to to think like, I'm going to ship a bug free version. I'm going to track down every single bug, every single crash, everything. I'm going to track this all down and I'm going to ship a perfect version. And, and of course, the reality is like, bug free is, as you said, like it's an impossible goal to reach. Well, all you can really hope for is relatively few bugs or like typical usage of the app won't hit bugs as far as you know <laughs> that would be bad enough that people would actually notice and care. Yeah. And those are all a bunch of escape clauses. Like every every one of those like every one of those phrases there is like that can let in huge classes of bugs and have it be pretty much okay. Because the reality is bug-free code which is again impossible but like trying to minimize bugs has severely diminishing returns because you will never complete it you have to draw a line somewhere of like how far am i willing to go like how much time am i willing to spend fixing bugs and therefore how much am i willing to not work on features not ship new versions of the app you know basically like how much of the app development process Am I willing to grind to a halt and for how long in order to fix bugs? And because it's a complicated business, because there's multiple factors, because some of these factors matter more than others, that is not always an easy question to answer. And a lot of times the answer is not what you think it should be. But like, you know, ideally, like ideally a bug is a showstopper. Ideally, like if you're trying to make high quality stuff, the concept, the idea that something is wrong and that you're and that you know it's wrong and that you aren't fixing it, that is in theory like like morally wrong. Like you you shouldn't do it. You should drop everything and fix that bug before you do anything else. But the reality is, people have schedules. People have limited time. You know, a lot of times if you're working for somebody else, the decision is not in your hands, and you just have a certain deadline you have to hit, and the bosses might even tell you. You can't spend time fixing that obscure bug you want to fix right now. You have to instead do this feature that we just sold, you know, through the sales team to a customer and you need to make this. Like there's all sorts of external pressures like that. You know, we can even look at Apple software and and you know, Apple software is full of bugs. And part of that's because they're a big company. They have lots of software, it does lots of things. Um, and part of that's because Apple is a very schedule-driven company and they are driven you know, like they they prioritize the schedule above all else and secondly they prioritize the like marketing feature list and so we apple you know we we hear a lot of times from people who work at apple who who like there's certain like phases throughout the year that it's more or less pragmatic to try to fix bugs and it's more or less likely to get any bug fixes done because if they're in like super crunch time you know working on you know whatever the new release is for WWDC or for the fall and you want you you try to report a bug that is really not that bad of a bug like it's not affecting very many people or 
it's not causing like data loss or you know anything really serious then they will prioritize that accordingly and it typically won't get fixed or at least it won't get fixed for a very long time um and so like there's we ha- we can recognize in our own indie life or corporate life if we're still corporate we can recognize that we we have those same patterns we have those same you know prioritization cycles where like sometimes you just got to get a build out there and so all this was be is building up to say what i'm doing with overcast this week and and last week is i've i've been hearing reports from people and seeing reports in in uh, app store analytics that the crash rate for overcast 5 was higher than i thought it, it should be um that that like it was it was getting crashes that some of which were things that i don't choose to worry about so for instance if, if i go into the xcode organizer and i look at the crashes or the energy logs i get tons of crashes in system frameworks for the watch app <laughs> and i couldn't possibly care less I, because i know that debugging the watch app in in crashes that are in system frameworks is simply a, a, a lost cause that's just a time vacuum that i know if i actually try to do that it's going to be the biggest waste of my time ever because chances are because of the 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 very little access we have on the watch as you know chances are i probably can't fix those bugs and even if i could it would probably take me a very long time to actually find them yeah and many of them aren't things users will ever see because many of them are happening in the background right and so that's that's a big thing too like what i'm finding is many of my crashes that are reported as crashes in in you know in the organizer many of those are background crashes and on the watch it's almost always like some somehow in the background i've used my two seconds of cpu time that i have and it's killing me and if it's not in an obvious way or in an obvious spot that is simply not worth fixing for most of the time and you can see we aren't the only ones who think this way you can see because if you open up the device panel in xcode and you look at the device logs for like your phone it'll show you logs for all the apps in your phone that have crashed or been terminated for resource usage. And you can see like big popular apps, almost every app you use, there's going to be a crash log in that list. And sometimes apps crash all the time in the background and you don't even know because the way I do, you know, the way iOS backgrounding works, like if an app crashes in the background, the only way you could notice is if next time you launch it, it takes a little bit longer to launch because it's launching from scratch instead of being resumed from suspension. But even that is like not uncommon on iOS for lots of other reasons. <laughs> so it's really, it's kind of crashing in the background as long as the app wasn't in use at the time. Like if it wasn't like playing audio, if it was just in the background and it crashes, that's not that big of a deal. And so that should be a very low priority bug. Similarly, like if like, you know, a, a lot of the bugs I get are, or like, you know, really weird edge case things like a crash in core text or in JavaScript core from, from one of my web views. And I'm like, you know, I, there's only so much I can do about that. Like, like especially when it's, when it's not happening on a lot of devices, like, there's just not much that I really should do about that. That's probably a system framework. Apple has these logs too. And Apple probably looks at them and you know, they can see all the, all the crash logs for all the apps that go through their system. And they, I'm sure, I haven't heard this for sure, but I would assume that they have processes where they can analyze those in mass and kind of triangulate like which system frameworks might have bugs in them and, and which APIs might be causing bugs. And they probably look at that when they're figuring out how to prioritize their own efforts. So some of these things I look at and it's like, you know, if it's some big crash deep in some system thing, part of a web view, I'm like, you know what? That's not mine to fix. That's Apple's to fix. And 
you know, it's <laughs> it might be my problem. You know, it, it isn't my fault. It might be my problem, but only if it's affecting a large number of people. And in that case, it isn't right. And so, what I look for when I'm trying to you know see what I can fix is I look for like a crash that is in my code. Like ideally, that that where like the stack trace includes something in in Overcast and not all system frameworks, which is a little tricky sometimes. But you know, it should include my code. It should be in the phone app. I don't care about the watch app unless it's something really obvious. And it should be something that is affecting a large number of devices. The great thing about the Xcode organizer thing is that it tells you this. And also, yes, I'm, I'm fully aware of other crash reporting tools and, and things like that. You know, they have very similar advantages too. I guess I like using the Apple one to keep things simple and keep privacy policies simple and to be able to catch things like the energy termination logs that the other ones usually don't get. Um, anyway, so there's... Every time I look at the crash list, there's like 50 different crashes in there. Like not not 50 devices, 50 different like identified crash sources, but most of them are like, you know, five devices, 10 devices. It's like, you know, there's only so much I can do. Yeah, and I think I have the same experience where I look at a lot of my apps. Like there's always a lot of things in that list. I mean, I, I do a lot of watch work and so like the first 40 of my crashes are just Oh, what is it? SP Remote, I think is the name. Like the PK Service Run, I believe, is the PK one I Service see a lot. Run. There's a couple of these that are just like these these watch watchdog processes or these watch things that you just kind of look at and you're like, yeah, I've I like I've even asked the WDC, like I went to the labs and talked to the, some watch kit people, like is this thing I should be worrying about? And I think their answer was usually it's like it's and, and honestly, I kind of wish that this was better communicated in Xcode. Is that there's there's kind of a different concept between a crash. And a like a resource limit, a resource limitation or system killing you situation, because the sometimes the system killing you is a result of your bad behavior. But sometimes it isn't like and especially when you look at like the watch logs, sometimes the com- the most comedic ones are like you're being killed because the CPU is overused. Your contribution to that was like one percent. <laughs> and it's like. Okay, so like I didn't really cr- like like something else on the system is using a lot of CPU, and the, you know the the OS is going around and just like killing everything off to try and you know preserve battery or whatever it's trying to do. And it's like okay, but that's not my that's not really my problem. You know, it's like I want to look for the ones yeah, like I want to look for the bugs that people are going to notice that are actually causing issues for people that are things that I can uh, that that I can. Um, apply myself to and that my efforts are going to yield actual like tangible useful results Um, because i think it's easy to like and i think honestly the hardest thing is the more like the, the the more esoteric the bug is the longer it is going to take and like that the the length and complexity of debugging is absolutely like exponential. Like it, it isn't. It, there are certain kinds of bugs, like the big obvious. Like you hit a button and the app crashes. Like okay, something's you know like I'm putting a, a nil value into into a dictionary or I'm uh, dereferencing something that I shouldn't dereference. Like there's some very obvious like issue going on happens every time i hit this button it crashes like absolutely fix those and then like it just from there it just grows just impossibly for like in this one situation for this one device in this particular like configuration when other apps are running at the same time and the moon is in a particular place (laughs) and the sun is in the sun is shining then this, this this bug will happen and 
like at a certain point, like those are just like, okay, I could spend months trying to track that down, but or I'll just ignore that. And I will just sort of like mark it as resolved in my mind. And until such time as it appears to actually hurt something, I will just ignore it. We are brought to you this week by Linode. Linode gives you a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month. You can be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, including David and me. And we are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help you want. And they also have a suite of amazing guides and support documentation to give you a reference when you need it. And this is actually really nice. Even if you are a Linode customer, you can view these. They're public documents on the web. And if you search for like help on running a Linux server, you will often find a Linode support document just as the general help document for running that kind of server. They're that good and it's really way easier than you think to get these up and running. They also have a very intuitive control panel to allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, or clone your virtual servers in just a few clicks. And they have amazing security features too, such as two-factor authentication to keep you safe. So Linode is great for things like database hosting, mail servers, operating a VPN, Docker containers, private Git servers, and so much more, all the way up to major web apps like you know I'm running Overcast on it, Dave runs his, his backend stuff on it. It's great. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Plans start at 1 gig of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting at 16 gigs of RAM. Listeners of this show can sign up at linode.com slash radar. That will support us, and you will get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on that 1 gig plan, that could be 4 months for free. And with a 7-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code RADAR2018 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and FM, and for keeping all of our stuff running. So what bug did you have to ship this week? So, so I'm, I'm shipping a bug that I'm getting reports from you know so i I, as i said like i've i've been getting background crashes here and there and i've tried to alleviate those with previous updates because it seemed like it was it was usually for too much cpu usage over too short of a time i as far as i could tell ios does not limit cpu usage if you're in the foreground but if you're in the background you are limited to 80 percent sustained usage and so they'll measure it about once a minute or if you are using multi-core if you if you hit like you know if you max out all six cores, you can blow that limit in like twelve seconds. Um, so it's it's surprising like how <laughs> how aggressive it is. Uh, but basically, if you're averaging eighty percent over a minute, you will get killed. And so the problem was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like if that happens when the app is not running, I it's not that I don't care, but it becomes a way lower priority. You know, whereas if it's happening when somebody is playing audio then it results in the audio stopping for them. And that's not good. That, that, that becomes a much bigger problem uh, because th- this brings it from like an academic purity exercise to something that's actually negatively affecting users in, in a real way. So I've been trying to fix this. I've been doing tons of test flight builds over the last couple of weeks, trying really hard to track these down, fix them. And every build I set out includes in the release notes to the testers, like, all right, this time I think I really got it. <laughs> and then it gets real out this there. time. Yeah, it's definitely the for real this time. And it gets out there and it and then I don't have it. Or um, what has fortunately happened is that over time, I have the, the current test flight build, which I'm going to submit to the App Store today. Um, the current test flight build 
does crash way less than the current app store version so it's like i have made a significant improvement here the problem is not fixed but now there's an external factor now we are a few days away from the app store holiday shutdown yay and what happens with this you know so you know if 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 you're all new or if if for the people who listen to the show who aren't developers and for some reason you still tolerate all this uh the app store the like the whole back end the app review uh everything like everything that's involved in updating your apps getting apps reviewed or changing your pricing to your apps or descriptions any of that that all shuts down for a week around christmas every year and or about a week you know it depends but usually it's about a week um and so this year the shutdown is from the uh 23rd so it's like basically like christmas week like 23rd to 29th i think um and so you can't update your app at all during that time you can't change anything in the app store during that time so if you want to get an update in anywhere near Christmas, you got to do it like basically now. And that's why if you look if you look at your App Store app in the updates tab, there's probably a lot of updates in the last few days because we have to get it all in early. And the other problem is if you ship a major bug like a crasher, you can't fix it for a week. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like if, so if you you know if you, you have some kind of horrible bug that like causes data loss or something you're just stuck with that for that whole week so what i'm trying to do is ship this version of overcast now which is currently you know about four days before the shutdown five days that way i figure app review is probably a little overloaded it's probably going to take at least two days to get it to get approved and then if i have some massive bug i have a couple days left before the shutdown that i can try to rush a fix through um and so because of that i don't want to make like massive mega changes to the app right now i want to basically ship what's what's been running in test flight and one of the downsides of trying to fix every crash trying to fix every bug is that your fix to the bug that you think you're fixing might introduce its own set of bugs like the you know fixes are still writing code so like and you know i'm sure we've all done this we're like we try to fix a bug and the fix is actually worse than the bug uh you know i'm i'm running that risk that was my experience for this last week oh yeah <laughs> that is that is exactly what happened it was with me and pedometer i introduced a i made a change and then i thought i fixed it and then i made it worse yeah and then i fixed it again and hopefully it's fixed now i'm not <laughs> sure more on that later yeah i do that all the time like you know because it you know a lot of times a fix looks easy it's like oh i'm inserting this nil value all right we'll put a little you know check in there that if it's nil you know either skip it or omit it or you know put in ns null null or something like that you know put in something else put an empty string whatever whatever it is um and then that itself might cause like other weird bugs to happen that that you didn't foresee or you know like like a bug looked simple but it was actually like the bug was causing behavior that avoided other bugs and by fixing the bug, you're now you know raining down all that crap on some some other part of your app. Or honestly, what I find what often happens with me is it's the issue of so often bug fixing is like you're like parachuting into this bit of code that like you get a stack trace for that says like there's a there's an issue on line 276 of this particular file. Like this is where the crash happens. Say, I go in, and I see like the thing that could have caused the bug, and I fix it, but the 
difficulty in that is that when I wrote all that code, I probably wrote it all at once with a good sense of what's going on before <laughs> and after and all the dependencies and all the things that are going on. And I think the like the unintended like bugs chain of like suffering comes so often at least for me <laughs> of where I end up being too myopic on like, Oh, here, Oh, obviously this is the issue. And I like, I'm like diving in, I fix it. I change it. It's like a two line change. So like, Hey, I only changed two lines, but it's like, I have no, I've lost that sense of, you know, the context for what's going on there. And so often that is where like, I end up with these like, Oh, right. Yeah, no, like there is a reason why that value was invalid. And when that value was invalid, I can't just like ignore it or skip it. I have to actually deal with it. Otherwise, all this other stuff is going to start breaking. Or now I'm like letting, you know, letting some loop continue in an invalid state and it's just get making the problem worse. Um, like those are the things that I often find that like making a change that can sometimes be super dangerous if you just kind of take that view of like, oh, here's this, here's the line I need to fix. Great. Thank you, Xcode. Let me change, let me fix that one line. So yeah, like so that's basically like what I've been dealing with this past week is I just need to get this update out and I'm I have not found all the crashes yet. Every test flight build I've sent out still has some crashes left. But they all have fewer crashes than the ones before them. And so at, at some point you just have to say, "You know what? I'm I'm at a deadline. I'm out of time. I'm going to ship this. This is going to be Overcast 5.0.5." And I know it crashes sometimes for some people but it doesn't seem like it's that frequent and it's way better than the version that's in the app store right now. <laughs> so like, you know, you can never achieve perfection. So you have to know like when to call it when to say, all right, this is good enough. And if I've reached a point where most of the app works totally fine for most people, most of the time, then that's, that's as good as I can really hope for because it's a big complex app there's you know and the complexity is mostly just inherent to the problem it's not like a lot of complexity that that is just because i'm you know being sloppy or over engineering things like you know most of it's just like you know it's a complicated app does complicated things and maybe the edge cases where it's crashing are only happening for users who have a lot of podcasts or if you know if they're running on, on an iphone se and its battery is throttling so it's running at like you know the performance of an iphone one and maybe that's why it's using so much cpu power because <laughs> it's the cpu is so slow like there's so many edge cases that that you can never accommodate for like you, you're never gonna write code that never gets terminated that never crashes that never shows bugs but when you have a deadline you just gotta ship something yeah. And chipping something is better than, you know, waiting for waiting forever for perfection. Oh, sure. And I think especially it is a really weird time of year because I've been in the same position. So like I and with we talked about over the last couple of episodes, I've been doing all kinds of data changes in Pedometer Plus Plus. And um, I had a situation where like I, you know, it ended up that I had a much easier fix that fix dramatically improved things for the, mo- the majority of my users. Awesome. For a few for a few of my users, it introduced a an issue where suddenly their step counts were undercounted, um, and then I was like, "Oh no, that's terrible! Like I hate it when I take people's steps away. It breaks their streaks. It was awful." So then I'm like, "Okay, let me go in and fix this." Then in fixing it, I introduced a bug that dramatically overcounted steps, and people would end up with these days <laughs> with like three with like three hundred thousand steps um, because I was being so persistent, like so cautious about never making sure, you know, that step counts never went down. That turns out I was actually in very certain you know, circumstance, increasing them dramatically. So I'm working on getting that fixed done. And like, all this is happening within the, in the back of my mind. It's like, I have to have this done by the end of the week because a, it's like, 
Christmas is a, I mean, it's not as big as it used to be, but it's like this time of year is a big time of year for the app store. It's a big, important time in terms of like people downloading things. If you, I make Apple watch apps, I imagine a lot of people are going to have Apple watches sitting under their Christmas tree. I have all this in the back of my mind. And at a certain point, it's just like, you got to get it through. And I'm just trying to get to the point that like, I think right now, like it's mostly good. Um, it's hard to know. Cause it's like the nature of the bugs are really hard to reproduce. But I think to your point, it's the, it's getting better. And at a, at a certain point, there's this magic line, I think, where it crosses over. It's like, it's good enough. It affects a small enough group of people. It's never great when it affects any people, but it's like you're trying to cross this cr- critical threshold where it's either it's a annoyance for some people uh, or for, you know, for a large group of people, or it's only affecting a, you know, a relatively small percentage of users and who, how small that is, like it varies dramatically. But yeah, there is this magic point where you're just like, I think this has to be good enough. And you kind of just ship it and hope, hope for the best. And then, yeah, it's like, hopefully in the next few days, things settle down before the app, before the app store uh, closes. And then you have the one benefit of the app store is closed. You can't, you can't, you can't change it even if you wanted to. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Actually like, reassuring in a weird way that like, you, it, it's not going to like destroy your Christmas because there's nothing you can do. Well, hope everybody has a wonderful holiday if you if you celebrate Christmas, and if not, at least enjoy a week off of no App Store. <laughs> so thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.